talk actually tonight, the message that I'm going to look at tonight, I'm going to talk on the grace of giving. And we have been talking about in Christ and talking about our inheritance in Christ, but we've got down to looking at some of these things of um, finances. And, you know, church is a place to talk on finances because then you get God's perspective on it. If you don't, then you only have the world's perspective on it. But thank God, God has a lot to say about finances. And you know what? God's interested in every area of our lives. Amen. But, you know, what? we've been looking at this off of the fact that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We have an inheritance, the Bible says. The Bible says that we are the heir of all things because Jesus is the heir of all things and we're his joint heir. Praise God. Thank God that the kingdom is ours, the Bible says. Thank God that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Amen. And the Bible says that the silver and the gold is his. And so I'm telling you, everything belongs to God and I'm telling you, we're God's joint heir. And so, praise God, everything is ours. Amen. Now, we may not possess everything that belongs to us in this life, but I want you to know that all things are ours. The Bible tells it very clearly for us. All things are ours. And we looked at several things with those over the last couple of weeks. But we looked at Abraham. We've seen that Abraham, you know what, he was the heir of the world. But Abraham wasn't earthly minded. And we're the same. That's our example. He's the father of faith. And you know what? And um, yes, all things are ours. But we're not living for stuff. We're living for Jesus. We have a high call of God upon our lives. And finances um, allows us to live in this world. It allows us to minister to our homes, our families. But also allows us to do what God's called us to do. And it allows us to be a blessing in the move of God. Um, Over here, let me just look again at, at Psalms 35 and verse 27. It says here, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Notice that there, we're not, we're not loving money. But it says that we favor his righteous cause. And it says, Let them say continually, The Lord be magnified, which is pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. And so God's righteous cause is what? It's the Great Commission. And so that has to do with, as we said, you know what, um, catching fish and feeding lambs, amen, and feeding sheep. And as long as we are centered on God's mission, and that is the Great Commission, as long as we are centered on that, I'm telling you, God has so much pleasure in prospering our lives. Do you know why? Because that is where our heart is. Our heart is in the move of God. And God has, a, has a, uh, an amazing message for this world. Praise God, it's called the gospel. And, um, and God wants to see people trained up. The gospel is absolutely free. And you can't buy salvation. So we're not even looking at that. Um, sometimes people think when you talk about that there, you know, then you're saying that you pay for the gospel. No, you can't pay for the gospel. You can't buy a soul. Praise God. We're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. But the gospel needs to be published. And that's where the finances come. And so thank God for the ability to finance and publish the gospel in our generation. Amen. Do you know what? We become part of a great host of people throughout the centuries who lived their lives for the gospel. 
And you know what? In our generation, we're getting the privilege to live our lives for the gospel as well. And so it's the same mindset. When you read about all of those people in history who lived their lives for the kingdom of God, well, that's, that's, that's our opportunity, and we're living our lives for the kingdom of God, being Christ-centered, and everything about our lives should be Christ-centered, not money-centered, not living for money, but understanding that we need money to do what God's called us to do. And we have a great provider, amen? We have a great, great provider, Jehovah Jireh, praise God, our provider, amen? The Bible t- tells us to seek first the kingdom of God. And then I'm looking at this verse as well, which is worth noting again over in Mark 4 and verse 11 there where it says, um, It is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. We're in the kingdom of God. The Bible lets us know that we're citizens of the kingdom of God. It lets us know we've been delivered out of darkness into the kingdom of God. And so when you come into the kingdom of God, we have to start thinking like a citizen who's in the kingdom of God. Do you know what? You start living like a citizen. You start thinking like a citizen. So you find out how that kingdom works. And in Mark chapter 4, if you read through it, you know, Mark chapter 4 keeps talking about seed. The kingdom of God is as a man plants seed in the ground. You know what? He hasn't got a clue how that works. All he knows is to plant seed in the ground. And he doesn't know how it works. It grows off itself. And so thank God that we are people who understand the, the principle of seed, time, and harvest. Because that's how the whole kingdom of God works. And so if we're going to be kingdom people, we need to think kingdom. And we don't need to think the monetary system of the world. We need to think the monetary system of the word of God. And when you think the monetary system of the word of God, you start understanding the value of seed. Praise God. And finances is seed. And thank God we have the privilege of sowing finances. Just like a farmer sows seed, we have the privilege of sowing finances into the good ground of the gospel, into the move of God. It is the greatest project on the face of planet Earth. And it is amazing how many people will give to all different causes. Yet the devil will do everything to discourage people from giving to the gospel. Because the gospel is the only message that can change people's lives. And the devil will do anything to keep money out of the hands of the church. And that's why he puts all of the labels on the church. But they don't put them same labels, you know, on the casinos. You know what I mean? On all the batting things online. You don't hear any of that. They're all glamorized, you know. Um, you know, um, the, the, the nightclubs and everything. And you know what? They all, uh, um, you know, events and big events and all of those kind of things. They're all glamorized. And they're more glamorized than our generation because you have more ways of hyping it up. And it's glamorized. But you talk about the gospel and, you know, on giving. Oh boy, all of a sudden, everybody has an opinion. Even people who don't go to church have an opinion. All the Judases come out. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. So, um, but that's how the kingdom of God operates. And you know, last week we looked at, you know, having an open hand. And what I was saying in that is basically, we need to have our hand open before God. That's a liberal, that's a liberal hand. That's a liberal soul, the Bible says. The way you have your hand open before God. But you know what? God's putting into your hand. Praise God. Amen. Do you know we give seed to sowers? And so God, when your hand's open before God, God, that's a hand for God to put into. Amen. Amen. But it's also a hand that's before God saying, God, what do I do with it? 
And so that is forgiven, amen, for looking after your family, your home and all, and to enjoy as well. He gives you richly all things to enjoy. In other words, it's a balanced life. God wants us to have a balanced life. God wants us to be able to look after our family, but also have a heart for the kingdom of God. First and foremost, you know, the kingdom is first. When you put the kingdom first, God will look after your family. Amen. The kingdom will look after you. It's a father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The world don't understand these principles. It's not given unto them to understand these things, but we understand them. And I tell you, when the penny drops and you get it, you will never be the same again. You know what you become? You become a giver. Amen. You don't just throw, you become a giver. It becomes a lifestyle of giving. And to where you love to give. You know why? Because you've got it. You've got a hold of it. You can't outgive God. Amen. You're given to the greatest project on the face of planet earth. Let me tell you, no matter what you, when you go so into the kingdom of God, you will never lose it. Never. Because when you give into the kingdom of God, you will be rewarded in eternity for it. Amen. Amen. And so we think like that. The world don't, but we do. Praise God. Amen. So that's what it is to be a seed-minded person. You know, there's many people in the Bible who live with an open hand like David. David was so generous. You go and look at his life. He was such a generous man. Even after the battle of Ziglag, you know, when others were saying, oh, don't give the people who stayed behind, David gave to the people who stayed behind. David was such a generous man. They were his mighty men. They were with him in many battles. And just because they were weary and won, David didn't kick them to the side. When they won that battle, he gave gifts everywhere. Everybody who looked after him during, while he was on the run from Saul, he looked after people. Do you know why? He gave gifts because he had a generous heart. He understood the Lord's my shepherd I shall not want. When you know the Lord your shepherd and you shall not want, you can put your hand out and be a blessing to people because you know you have a shepherd that looks after you. Amen. And so it's a, it's a mindset and David got it. Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. Mary had that open hand. Remember she came and she anointed Jesus with the most valuable thing that she had, but she realized I'm not losing the day. I'm anointing him. I have him. I have everything. And when Jesus is that precious to you, you know you have everything. Um, the women also in Jesus' ministry, they had an open hand. They gave to Jesus off their substance. You know, you look at the church in the book of Acts, you can see how generous they were in the book of Acts. And then, the, you know, the, the church in Macedonia, which I'm going to look at in, in, a, in a moment here. Um, but let me just ask this question as well. Which person are you or which person do you desire to be out of, out of these couple of things that I'm going to share here? Would you rather be the, the wee boy with a packed lunch? Have him something to give. See, it's not always about the size. It's that you have something to give. I, I thought about that the other day. I was thinking, God, there was 5,000 men plus women and children. There was other women. There was other children there. I wonder, was there food in the camp? I wonder, did somebody have something where, you know what, they were going like this to, uh, <laughs> you know, to a sandwich or something? I don't know. We don't know. It doesn't tell us that. But it does tell us there was a wee boy who had something to give. Amen. You know what? Everybody else was able to receive that day, but the wee boy came and gave something. Yes, he received as well. But he was able to give. You know what? There's a lot of people they just want to receive. And thank God we all are at times we receive. And thank God when we do receive, 
Look, there's, there's a principle of giving and receiving. It's a cycle. But you know what? Thank God whenever you're able to also be a giver, that's a wonderful place to be. You're blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Blessed. It's a mindset. Blessed to be a blessing. What about the man with the donkey? You remember the story whenever Jesus came riding into Jerusalem? And the disciples, Jesus sent the disciples to, told him exactly where to go. You know what, to, to this man with a donkey. You know what, would you rather be the man with the donkey or the disciples looking for the donkey? You know, Jesus owns all things. He, 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 was, he wasn't lacking. Jesus came full. Jesus gave the man with the, oppor- or the, man with the donkey an opportunity to be a part of one of the greatest events in Jesus' ministry, whenever he rode in and the people had the opportunity to receive him as their king. And what did he ride on? In on a donkey that someone gave for Jesus to ride in. You know, what's the thought? You can be the man with a donkey or you can be the disciples looking for the donkey. Understand? You know what, it's a mindset. You know, there's time to receive, but you know what? There's also a time to say, God, make me the one with the donkey. Make me the one that is pouring into the move of God. Amen? That's the one I want to be, God. I want to be the one who's, you know, it's a a mindset. And the same with the man with the upper room as well. Do you know where they had the Passover as well? It's the same thing. uh, You know, you can be the one with, able to provide, or you can be the one looking. And you know what? In the move of God, it works many times hand in hand. And thank God for that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying a mindset. Because sometimes people have a mindset of being a receiver. And that's all they have. But other people have a mindset of giving. But you know what? We do need to have the mindset of giving and receiving. Because that's part of seed time. It's seed time and harvest. It's giving and receiving. We need to be good givers. We need to be good receivers. But praise God, it's good to be the person Amen. That has to give. That is able to be a blessing. Amen. And thank God we can all be a blessing. You know to a degree. Amen. Whatever degree we're at. But we can believe God to be a blessing. Now I want to look tonight for a moment at this church in um, Macedonia. Just a couple of things about them here. But look over here in um, Philippines. I mentioned this um, last week. But let me just look here again. Just as as a start here this evening. Philippines 4. Philippines chapter 4. And look what, look what it says here in um, verse 15. It says, Now you Philippines know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, it said, No church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Notice that. Other churches were there. They didn't have the mindset of it. But you see the church in Macedonia... They got a revelation of something that others didn't have. They understood. They got to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. They got to know the, un- the understanding of seed time and harvest. They understood. They understood what this whole thing is all about. They got a hold of it. They got it. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, when you get it, couldn't beat it out of you. I always say, couldn't beat it out of you with a big stick. When you get it. I can remember being in church one night years and years ago. As a wee Mexican preacher came and um, preached in a, in a service one night, 
And I'm telling you, it was a Holy Ghost service. And he said something, and I'm, I'm telling you, it went off on me. And it had to do with giving and all of those kind of things. It broke something on the inside. Of my, no, don't mean, broke it as in broke it off, you understand, like a chain. But it fixed something in me. It, it, it like flipped a switch in me. It's amazing. God can speak one sentence and it gets in you. See how words a two-edged sword? It can get right in there. And it planted something in me. I tell you, the revelation of it went off that strong. And I was running around the church and didn't realize I was running around the church. It was like a jack in one of them things, a jack in the box that just flies up. I was just sitting there and it went up. Whoop, and I was up, I actually ran to the side. I went, what am I doing? And there was a door there, and normally you could go through it. it was, if you knew that old building, you'd go through that door around the, uh, the pastor's office. Well, there was a stack of chairs there, and I couldn't go there, so I had to turn around and run back the other way, right across the front. I don't do that. I don't do that. It's not very often. I do it sometimes, but not very often. Do I take off like Linford Christie <laughs> flying around the church? I thought I was going to run up the street. Did my financial situation change? No. Nothing changed outwardly. Something changed inwardly. I got it. And you know what? This church, they got it. They got a revelation of given. They got a revelation of how good God is. They got a revelation. My God supplies all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. They got a revelation of something else that will bring out in a moment. But you know what it says here of giving and what? Receiving. Do you know giving and receiving is a principle? And it's a principle all through the Word of God. I've mentioned it a couple of times this last um, few services. But, you know, um, the other day, myself and Alexis, we were sitting watching a, a wee cartoon film. It was the Lorax. Is that what you call it? The Lorax? We see that film, the Lorax? In the film, he, he has this invention. It's like a scarf kind of a thing. But, you know, it can be used for all different things. I can't remember what they called it, but it was no like we'd call it a thingy or something. It could be used for anything. And it ended up being a hit. But to make it, you had to chop down these trees. And the tr or take from the trees. He was in a hurry. He ended up chopping them down. But it had this material at the top of the, the, these trees. Like it was nearly like it looked like candy floss kind of a thing in the, in the cartoon. But you know what? He ends up chopping down the tree to get it. And then but he kept doing it. And then like it was like it was a massive demand. And he ended up chopping down every tree and he was on to the last one and he chopped it down. And do you know what? He chopped down all the trees and that was the end of his business. Do you know why? Because there was no more trees to make the thingy mabobs, whatever they called them. And that was the end of it. He was just about, you know, producing, but he didn't think about, you know, the seed time and harvest principle. He didn't think about that. He got rid of all of the trees and that was the end of it. And it became a very dark, you know, kind of movie at that stage. And then it went down artificial stuff. And, um, but um, through it then, the film, what happens is there's one seed. Just one. One seed left. And you know what? There's a wee lad and through it, the seed ends up being planted. And you know what? The seed begins to grow. And you know what? You start seeing wee buds of trees coming up all over the place after. Because from that one seed came many seeds 
Let me tell you, if we eat all our seed, well, then we're not going to plant anything. And uh, thank God in the film they had one seed. But in that seed, there was hope. There was hope because there was a seed. Let me tell you, finances, the Bible calls it, seed for us as believers. And we plant it into the move of God. And we enter into a high kingdom law, which is giving and receiving. Amen. Praise God, when we give, we receive. Amen. It's awesome. Praise God. But here's the thing about giving and receiving. The seed's in your hands. God gives seed, then it's in your hands. Amen. And you manage the seed that's in your hands. You can't eat all of it, and, you can't, and you're not to sow all of it. Praise God. There's bread for eating, and there's seed for sowing. And so it's a balanced life. Some people have driven people over the years when they talk about money, and they get them out of balance. But it's having a balanced life. And God wants us to enjoy life. God wants us to sow and God wants us to eat. It's like the children of Israel as well. Do you know when the children of Israel came out of the, the, the wilderness? If they didn't sow seed when they went into the promised land, they'd have starved to death. Do you know why? Because the Bible says the manna ceased. And then what did they do? The Bible lets us know they lived on seed time and harvest. So there's a time sometimes when you live on, you know, miracles. But miracles is not the way we're to live all of our life. God wants us to live by the principle of seed, time, and harvest. Amen? The miracles stopped. And I'm not saying that the miracles have stopped. Praise God for miracles. God's a miracle working God. When you need a miracle, praise God, he's the man. Amen? He's God, but you understand what I mean? People say, God is not a man, I know, amen. Just making the phrase, amen. But you know what? God is the one that still do, does miracles. Thank God that he does, amen. When you need a miracle, praise God. He's a miracle working God. And he has never stopped being a miracle working God, amen. Now, let me look over here for a second. Let's look over here to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 here for a moment. Praise God. And you're going to see here, because what it's showing here is the Macedonia church, they were not a wealthy people, okay? They were not a wealthy um, bunch of people in Macedonia, but they got a hold of the kingdom of God. That's what it's showing. Now, the church in Corinth, they were wealthy. The, Corinth was a very prosperous place. And in history, that place was very, very prosperous. So this was a prosperous area. And these people had wealth. You know, you remember in the church there was people that had abundance. Yes, there's people that had lack as well. But this church had people in it that were very prosperous. But the church in Macedonia, they got a hold of the mystery of the kingdom of God. And there's something really important to learn in that. Because sometimes people think the end goal of life is being rich. That's not the end goal of life. Some people think being rich is the be-all and end-all of everything. The church in Corinth had riches, but they did not have this revelation on giving and receiving. That's amazing, isn't it? They did not have that understanding. The church in Macedonia and Philippi 
They did understand giving and receiving, and they did not have a lot, but they knew that life is not about how much you have. Life is about how effective you are with what you have. Life is about sowing. Life is about giving. Life is about advancing the move of God. That's what's going to affect eternity. You can be rich in life. You can have everything in life, but if you are not a sower, your life is just natural. And it is not a fact in the move of God, and it's not a fact in eternity. Amen? Whereas the church in, in Macedonia, they, they understood the end product of being richer. You know, rich is a, a term that clouds people. Rich is just talking about bountifully supplied. Rich is talking about where you have enough to meet your needs and enough left over to be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. Sometimes people say, I'm not rich. Let me tell you, we're richer than most people on the face of planet Earth. We more, even our, our little is, is more than some people's much. You understand in other countries and around the world, we have so much. And thank God for God's goodness. But you know what? The end product is just not being rich. I think that's where a lot of people got it wrong. Because all these principles are good. You know what? Actually, I was listening to a very conservative minister this week. Really conservative. Who would preach hard against people who teach on prosperity. And yet, I listened to him teach all of these things that I'm talking on here. And do you know what he taught on? The same thing that a prosperity teacher would teach on. Do you know why? Because you can't change what the Word of God says. You can't change giving and receiving. It might be people's attitudes towards money can be different. But you can't change the principles. So it's amazing. Someone who didn't believe in the term prosperity believed in increase you can put different terms on it but it's the same thing you can say the same things you know about you sow sparingly you'll reap sparingly you sow bountifully you'll reap bountifully what is that that's the same seed time and harvest message that everybody teaches do you know why because if you're going to teach the word of god you cannot avoid seed time and harvest because it is the principle of god's word when it comes to finances amen do you know what it's all about? It's about our heart. It's our heart towards money. It's, a, it's whether we're looking at, you know, just give me, give me, give me. Or we're looking at God, prosper me so that I can be a blessing to the move of God. Prosper me so, Lord, it gets to my hands. Lord, yes, I'll enjoy what you give me because you give me richly all things to enjoy. I'll bless my family. But God, I'm going to be a giver into the move of God. Amen. I'm going to, my hand is open and it is open to the move of God. Praise God. I'm going to be a blessing. I'm going to be a giver. That is the end product of being bountifully supplied. Is so that then we can keep that cycle going of seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. Amen. Not just to be rich. Look, I watched a program one night on um, talking about Las Vegas. And I talked about people who um, have crazy addictions when it comes to gambling. And you know what? Every one of those people were excessively wealthy that it had in that program. I know there's a lot of poor people go to Vegas as well and spend everything that they have. There was one woman and her husband was a multi-millionaire and then he died. And all the millions came to her. 
And she has spent her days sitting in front of slot machines. And at that stage, she had spent seven or eight million sitting in front of slot machines, gambling away all of her children's inheritance and all of those kind of things because she has an addiction. She is rich, which a lot of people drool over being that rich. But I'm telling you, to see that slot machine, she is investing in that. And when she dies, there is nothing for her in eternity unless she's received Jesus and she has eternal life. But she won't have those rewards of a life of faith, of treasure in heaven for living a life of faith, of sowing and advancing the move of God. She won't have that. Amen. Amen. She won't have that. It's, you know, it's not just about being rich. It's not the car you drive. It's not the house you live in. That's what some people think about. See, some people, when they hear prosperity or the prosperity um, message, there is no such a thing as really the prosperity message. There's the gospel. There's the word of God. It contains every area of our life because God's interested in all of our lives. And God's word, you follow the principles. God will look after you and increase your life and prosper you. Amen. Um, but um, you know what? It's not just about, you know what? I'm going to get the things. I'm going to get the things. I'm going to get the things. I'm going to, that's the, I've seen people who were like that over the years. All they talked about was the things. Then I've seen another bunch of people, and that's the crowd that I want to be. They were looking to things, but they were talking kingdom. They were, God, you know what? God, you put in my hand, I'll sow into the move of God. God, you put in my hand, I'll sow into the move of God. They were thinking kingdom. That was the church in Macedonia. And they were not rich at this stage. But they had a given heart. They got it. And you know what? They were the only church that Paul said that financed him in the move of God. Awesome, isn't it? The end product is not about how much you get. It's about being enriched so that you can be a blessing. Look over here. Um, 2 Corinthians 8, look at this here. Moreover, brethren, we do um, wit you to know the grace, or to wit it means to know the grace of God. Look at that, bestowed upon the church of Macedonia. This church in Macedonia, they had a grace on them. They entered into a grace. And that grace is the grace of giving, because they understood how it works. They got a revelation of something. Praise God. See, when you get a revelation of something, it opens up the door into more grace. Amen. All of God's grace is ours. But Peter lets you know that it's through knowledge it becomes available to you. And the more you know about it, the more you have faith for it. And so this church got a revelation that other churches didn't have. And it says, how that in a great trial of, of, of affliction, the abundance of their joy. And look at that, their deep poverty. But look at this, it abounded onto the riches of their liberality. This is a church with a hope, an open hand, and yet they're under pressure. They're facing trials. They're not thinking about themselves. What are they thinking about? They're thinking about the kingdom. They are sold out to the kingdom of God. They're not complaining about how little they have. They're not complaining about the pressure that's coming against them. They're not complaining about any of those things. You know what they're doing? They're, they're giving. They're givers, and they have little. See, it's given as a mindset. It says, for to their power, I bear record. Look at that. And yet beyond their power, they were willing of themselves 
Praise God. Amen. Look at verse 4. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take it unto the fellowship of the minister and of the saints. And it says, And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. You see, when you give yourself to the Lord, God has everything that's yours, whether it's much or little. You're like, God, take my time, take my life, take my breath. God, take my thinking, take everything, take me. That's a living sacrifice. Amen. That's a living sacrifice. That's God. I'm not living for myself. I'm living for you. That's God, whatever you want from my life. God, I lay my life down before you. That's not coming to God and telling God, dictating to him. That's coming to God and saying, God, my life is yours. Amen. Use me whatever way you desire. What a starting place. God started dropping his heart and desire into those people. And they had such a desire for the things of God because they give God everything. Verse um, um, 6, it says, Insomuch that we desired um, Titus, that he would, that, that as he had begun, so he would finish in you the same grace also. What he's saying is, this is talking to the church in Corinth. Paul's telling them about the church in Macedonia. That this church in Macedonia, they're operating in a grace that you guys are not operating in. That's what he's saying. You just haven't got a case down in Corinth. But you know what? God wants you to have it. And he's saying to this church, they've, they've entered into a grace. That grace has to do with giving. They've understood that God is so good. They've understood the principle of seed time and harvest. These guys are givers like no one you will ever meet. They, they haven't just given finance. They've given themselves. They poured their whole life into the move of God. I've met people like that in my life. Praise God. Amen. Looking at them. Amen. <laughs> they love the move of God. And Paul's saying, you know what, Titus, you know what, he's been speaking to you these things, but you know what, we need to see this, this like download complete into you, where you get it. You get that revelation of what it is all about. Verse 7, it says, Therefore, as you um, abound in everything. This church was a church that had everything in it. It says, You abound in faith and utterance and knowledge and diligence and in love for us. Look what it says here. See that you abound in this grace also. What is that grace? Given and receiving. Amen. It says, I sp speak not by command, but by occasion. Um, for the forwardness of others, and did prove the sincerity of your love. For now, uh, for ye know the grace. Look at this here. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became what poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. Rich is talking about being ab abundant, abundantly supplied, bountifully supplied. Look what it says. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the grace of God that Jesus became poor that we might be made well, rich. Some people say that's spiritually rich. Yes, praise God. We, we, look, we didn't need to become spiritually prosperous per se. We needed to become we needed to get new life. Understand? We were broke. We needed salvation. 
These people, this old chapter and chapter 9 is talking about finances here. Jesus became poor. Why? Because he took our curse. He took the curse of poverty. So that we could be blessed. Amen? Look, for salvation, Jesus became sin. That you might be made well, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What is that? That's the grace of God. Amen. For healing, Jesus took your sickness and disease so that by his stripes you are healed. What is that? That is the grace of God. Let me tell you, it's also the grace of God that Jesus became poor so that we might be made rich. That is the grace of God. And there is a grace that will cause you to prosper. Just like there's a grace to save you. Let me tell you, we're saved by grace through faith. Amen? Let me tell you, we're prospered as well by grace through what? Faith. It is the exact same. There is a grace that will prosper your life. Amen? Now, how is that accessed? By giving in faith. Do you know what? I have met so many grace people over the last, like, um, seven or eight years. I meet all these grace people over the years because they know I preach on grace on different things. And you know what? They'll, they'll, I preach on grace. Preach on grace. I preach grace and faith. Amen. You can't separate. We're saved by grace through faith. Not one or the other. So, um, and that works for everything. I meet all these grace people and they tell me, we're free. And I say, that's good, praise God. He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. No, no, we're free. We don't give anymore. I'm thinking, you don't understand grace. Because grace is God's provision. In salvation, grace was God's provision. How did we get saved? By faith. So you had to put faith in the grace of God, faith accesses the grace of God. No faith, no access. Amen? Even though there's abundant provision. It takes faith. Just like Peter, he had to, let the, he had to put the net down to receive. The fish were there. The provision was there. Let me tell you, the grace of God is there. God, God, the Bible says, uh, you know what? It was the, the power of God that caused them to get wealth in the Old Testament, as we looked at the other week. Amen? That's the grace of God. Thank God for the grace of God. Amen? So people, I have these people tell me, you, you said so many people, we're free, we don't give. I'm thinking, you know what? You don't understand. Because all you've heard is grace. You don't know faith. Text both. Faith accesses the grace of God. I don't know any other way to trust God in the area of finances than to take the very thing that everybody else trusts in that they live for and to be able to sow that and trust that God is your provider. That is the greatest place of faith and that is that principle of seed time and harvest. When you give in faith, not throwing, not just firing something, not watching it go away and crying because it's going, but you understand the kingdom of God and you rejoice and you're a cheerful giver. Amen. Will you give in faith because you know I've got a, I've got God who looks after me. He's my Jehovah Jireh. Amen. 
He is, he's greater than me. Praise God. And I'm hooked up with him. Amen. When you take the very thing that everybody else trusts in and you can give it in faith. Do you know what happens? Grace is released unto you. And what Paul was saying was to this Corinthian church, you need to get the same revelation that the church in Macedonia have. That church understand a grace that Jews don't know. That grace is the grace of giving. You give in grace, amen, understanding you're under the grace of God. But I'm telling you, when you give by faith, let me tell you, God's provision is released. Amen. Amen. And the thing about it is, it's not based on being conned. It's based on faith. Let me tell you, never give because someone conned you and manipulates you. Give on the level of God's word in faith. Amen. No gimmicks. Because you believe what God's word says. Amen. A giver is someone who understands God is my provider. Praise God and there's abundant provision. He became poor. So that I would be made rich. Amen. Amen. Look, let me just show you this here just in, in, in closing. Look in chapter 9. Just two seconds here and we'll close this evening. Time's up. Um, look in chapter 9. Paul comes in here. Off of talking on all of this here. He comes in and says this. He says, but this I say. He which sows spurnly shall reap also what? Spurnly, he which sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. That is a spiritual law, and no one can change it. Amen. Just like you have natural laws, just we have, that's why you have the natural law of seed time and harvest. We can observe that. This is a spiritual law, and no one can change it. And you know what? Praise God that we can sow. Look at it says, He who sows spurnly shall reap spurnly. Praise God, when you give, you receive. Sometimes people are, you know what, you know, only have small, but praise God, you get to give it. God is a God that, and that Lorax started off with one seed. But you know what, it had to be planted. Praise God, when you sow, you reap. He who gives bountifully, you're not going around, go around and see what you have in your wallet, and you should be giving this, and you should. No, no, it's between you and God. He who sows bountifully, he who sows spurnly. Amen. Verse 7, it says, Every man according as he purposes were in his own heart. So let him give. Not because somebody's trying to put a, a number on you. I feel God's telling me that there's someone here tonight and you have to give X amount. Gimmicks. 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 Let me tell you, you purpose with God in your own heart. You talk to God. You have a relationship with God. Amen. It says, For God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. He doesn't give grudgingly nor of necessity because God loves a cheerful giver. You can give whenever you understand that God doesn't have a gun to your head. I love what Andrew Womack says. He says, The way sometimes some people preach, he says, It's more like the Godfather than God the Father. Huh? You know, if you don't do that, we'll be around to pay you a visit. No, as you purpose in your own heart, praise God. Because it says in verse 9, as we've said before, as it is written, he is dispersed abroad, he's given to the poor, his righteousness remains forever. 
It says, and um, now he that ministers seed to sowers, amen, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown, amen. God gives seed to sowers. Let me say this here, God is the biggest giver of all. God's not taken from you. God gives you something to sow. See, when you put your hand out to God and you say, God, I'm going to be a giver, I'm telling you, God will put seed into your hand. And as long as you're a giver, there will always be seed in your hand. Amen. Why? Because God gives seed to sowers. Some people preach that God's out to get you and he's going to take everything you have. God gives seed to sowers. Amen. Now, praise God. Time's up this evening. But you know what? When you do give... You have fruit that abounds to your account. Why? Because when you give, you affect eternity. Amen? And um, praise God, so many things in that. When you go down it, there's such a... There's so many things when you talk about giving. But I'm telling you, giving is a grace. Receive from God to be a giver. Amen? Just receive. God, I receive your grace for giving. That's how, you, that's how you receive from God. You receive. I receive. Lord God, teach me to be a giver. I receive that grace of giving upon my life. Amen. Then, when you give, you enter into a world of grace where God is going to make grace abound to you. Amen. See, that's grace. That's provision. So that you always have an all-sufficiency in all things may be able to abound to what? Every good work. God's not taken. God's saying, get it. Get a revelation of this. Because my grace will abound towards you. Amen. God can cause you to go from nothing to having much. Because God wants people to be a giver. Amen. He's looking for a vessel to flow through. Praise God. Here I am. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We'll close there this evening. Amen.